want to see the kind of industries that are opening up. This is Local Biz Now with Joe Vagnone, where your business matters. Local Biz Now. You have to determine what is working, what isn't working. Joe Vagnone is a respected business broker, helping individuals buy and sell businesses. Joe has successfully owned and operated many companies in a variety of industries. This is Local Biz Now. Biz Now, because your business matters. And this is Local Biz Now. You are listening to the number one talk business show in all of North Carolina. We hope you're going to start your week by being inspired, informed, and entertained because that's what we do at News Talk WSIC. This is 105.9 FM, 100.7 FM, 1400 AM. I am Joe Vagnone, and you are listening to Local Biz Now. We've been going strong for 10 years. We have well over 800 uh, small business owners and community leaders that we have interviewed. We have well over 450 uh, videos on my brand new sexy YouTube channel. We are really, really close to getting 100 subscribers. I've been working hard for 100 subscribers. So please, if you haven't, go there and click on subscribe to Joe Vagnone Business Broker. I would appreciate it. Um, we're also live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. And I don't know. The new owner, Justin, he's got us live all <laughs> over the world. If you want to see Joe, I'm sure you can do it. Um, you are listening to Local Biz Now, where your business matters. We also have a co-host every single month. Today is special. Today, it's the first time ever in my 10-year history as Local Biz Now co-host, I'm going to allow somebody to interview me and ask me questions. I'm doing that because number one, people tell me I need video content from a new website. So, <laughs> so you do. Some of, That's some, correct. Some, some of these, some of these questions, I'm going to transfer to the website. But also, I the uh, new time slot. You know, for ten years, I've been uh, Friday mornings. Um, from uh, 8 to 9, and I love saying, um, if it's Friday mornings, I'm sipping on a cup of black powder <laughs> coffee because it's delicious when I can't say that anymore. You, you understand? Yep, yep. I need a new slogan for black powder coffee because I do not blink, drink black powder coffee uh, especially in the summer at 4 in the afternoon. I was going to say at 4 p.m. That's on right. Monday. That, that's right. But today, to, to my point, Ben McDonald is here. Uh, most of you who are fans of the show know that Ben has uh, been on the show, been a co-host many times. I think a lot of Ben. Ben is the founder of Destination Wealth Advisors. He sold his first business at 24. I think that's why he and I have this connection and this mm -hmm. relationship. It's why I personally ask him to um, be the host of this show. So with, this is a special edition. I'm going to hand it over to Ben, and I'm going to allow him to ask me any question he wants, although I did give him five <laughs> specific ones <laughs> that Julie told me I needed for the website. Uh, so, uh, Ben McDonald, please, before we get started, buddy, thank you so much for doing this for me. I, I, I really do appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about Destination Wealth Advisors. Yeah, it, it's an honor to be on for this show. This is going to be a lot of fun. We get to, to flip the script a bit. So Destination Wealth Advisors, we're a, a wealth management firm that focuses on comprehensive planning. So we have in-house in everything from portfolio management to insurance strategies to doing full financial plans, tax strategies, tax planning. 
essentially the gambit of what you're going to need as a, uh, a business leader, business owner in, in that tax and uh, financial realm. And so what makes you a little bit different? I know it, but I want to make sure people yeah. listening know it. Yeah. So in a past life in this industry, I was in a wirehouse and I had to wear every hat. I had to do a little bit of research and a little bit of planning and I was the jack of all trades. And that's pretty common for this industry. And so we've created a business structure where you're surrounded as the client by experts in every category. You need portfolio advice, great. I'm going to pull in my senior portfolio manager. You need tax advice, great. I'm going to pull a CPA in. So you're now getting your hand held in each area of your financial situation by a true expert in that category. So we don't do a lot of business together. And the main reason is that I deal in about $5 million in gross sales mm -hmm. on down and you deal We tend to do $5 that. million and up. That's yeah, right. yeah. We've got a little bit of crossover that's there. Right. Yep. That, that's right. That's right. Um, and I like that, right? I, yeah. I like that you and I get a chance to sort of share different thoughts because there are times that there's differences. Matter of fact, yep. when we turn the script here in a minute, there are differences between how I would advise a small business person and how you would advise somebody with a multi-million yeah. dollar oh, uh, absolutely. revenue stream. And, and on our one of the episodes last month, because I was had the honor of being uh, the co-host for June, one of the conversations we had was about the differences of buying and selling businesses and uh, doing just the different strategies that you see at, say, 15, 20 million versus two to five. Right, right. Okay, Ben, I'm all yours. Go, go right <laughs> well, ahead. I, go, go right ahead and feel free to, to ask me any, any question you like. Uh, for those of you that are listening, this is the first time that I have actually talked about myself in any detail. Uh, and I'll try and hopefully do, do, it's do not justice. too painful to where this is also the last time. That's <laughs> right, that's right, the goal today. Right, right. Um, I, I really want to go back because and especially almost selfishly, you and I get to talk a lot about your business and, and I know your business journey a bit. But I want to go even before then, because I love hearing about the entrepreneurial journey and where it started. So take us back to your youth a little bit. Give us a peek inside. Who was Joe as a kid growing up? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because growing up for some reason, um, I always wanted to do something and I would measure it based on money. Money has never been my driving motivation mm -hmm. or, or force ever, but it is how I would measure how, how I was doing. Yep. And for that reason, it always seemed to be small business type of things. You know, you've heard it. You've heard all of us entrepreneurs, you know, the cutting the grass, the, right. you know, mine always seemed to be a little bit bigger or better than everybody else's, you know, okay. the, the DJ business was doing high school events, you know, not just local yep. things, you know, I was at local bars and hotels, you know, with my DJ business, our, our, our uh, junk uh, removal business, um, we, we were going as far as 20, 30 miles out to... Yep to make five or 10 trips to, to, to do was that. Was that when it first started clicking for you that you saw these these side journey, side hustles become real ventures that, that people were actually interested in utilizing you? You know, it's funny. I, I never considered any of this um, anything other than my only option, right? I, I've Even to this day, I am now 60 years old, I don't think I ever thought somebody would hire Joe, right? You can look at Joe. You can see Joe's a little peculiar. You know, <laughs> I get it. I, I understand. Aren't we all? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and so hiring Joe, who is so unpredictable, uh, um, 
probably just wasn't going to be a smart move, right? I wasn't, yep. I'm not making fun of somebody for not hiring Joe. I think they probably were wise to not do that. So because of that, I always consider myself, I was going to have to make that work on my own. So as we keep moving forward, you had those those ventures early on, you get to see a little bit of exposure. And, and I don't want to skip forward. I, I want to talk about the education a bit because you talk very little about your actual formal education and the impact that that's had. So share that a little bit with us. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I'm a guy that never believed that four-year education was necessary to be successful. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that. Now, there are things you need four-year degree in, you know, teachers and and professional attorneys, right? You know, uh, licensed professionals. I believe you need that, and I believe you need a four-year degree. But if you want to be successful, if you want to be a multimillionaire, you do not need to actually go to a four-year degree. But you do have to have education. You do have to continue to evolve. And in my case, I studied and graduated in a hotel restaurant management program at Central Piedmont Community College. And, and for me, that was an interesting start to what education yep. is all about. We come back um, from the break, we'll kind of dig in just a little bit about my belief in, in education and uh, how important it is, even at 60, to continue to learn. Perfect. That was perfect foreshadowing. So take us to the break, and then I'll pick it up after. You are listening to Local Biz Now. If it's Friday, no, 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 no. You got to get out of that habit. it's Monday <laughs> afternoon, your business matters. We'll be right back. And we are back. You are listening to Local Biz Now. I am Joe Vagnone. If it is Local Biz Now, your business matters. And you are back. And today's show is all about Joe. It is the and- Joe show. <laughs> Ben McDonald's is here, the founder of Destination Wealth Advisors. And uh, for all of you who want to know who Joe is and what's he about, Ben's getting ready to find out. That's right. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about education. And and one of the things that I want to hear more about is education, not only formal, but also informal. What has the growth and education that you've had and how has that played a role in, in your uh, business? That's a great question because the truth is when I went to Central Piedmont Community College, I studied in the hotel restaurant management program. It was the top food service and management program in the country or one of at the time. Um, and honestly, I had a girlfriend that, that at, a girlfriend's a mother that asked me, uh, why are you going to school to learn how to make hamburgers? And and it was so much more than that, right? Yeah. So, so I really believe in education in a technical sense, you know, two-year mm-hmm. junior college. A four-year degree, I think, in my opinion, the value doesn't seem to be there. But, but to your point, to your question, it really is important that you are continuing to learn. You are continuing to grow. It is that growth that helps to inspire and, in my case, helps me to be more creative. And I am known for the guy that is creative uh, putting deals together. And those deals happen because you have to be open in how you might come up with some type of solution. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, it, it does. And I love from the point of hosting a podcast, being able to learn from the guests. And you've been running a radio show for over 10 years. And so almost from the selfish standpoint, you've gotten the growth every Friday morning, now right. every Monday afternoon of being able to pick the brains of the guests that you've had on your show. Yeah. One of the other things I do is I try and get certifications as much as I can. It's a lot easier now because it's online, right? So you can do a lot of stuff. Accessible. I I did a Harvard uh, negotiation and dispute resolution certification. It was a 
13, 18-week program. And for those of you that don't know, Harvard's a real deal, and they deserve <laughs> yeah, all that I've they I've heard did, that right? before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I've been negotiating my whole life, right? And they were teaching me things or telling me what I was doing and putting words to what I was doing, right? right? Just exceptional. Um, that type of continuing to learn is something that I just embrace and encourage everybody to do. One of the things we're going to do on our website, I have read over 220 books that are business-related books. I'm going to put all those books on the website for people to see, um, and it just kind of put my money where my mouth is. Yep. I, I do believe that it's important to continue to, to uh, um, educate yourself. This continuously learning something is a really important mm -hmm. value. I really don't like to deal with people that don't do that. You know, Julie's been with me nine years, and I'll tell you something. She she took the same courses that I did at Harvard. I, I, I offer her sales yeah. uh, techniques and courses um, that she can take all the time, and she embraces that as, and continues to en encourage others that are around us, that yep. work for us, to do the same thing. So I think it's really important. Yeah, surround yourself with other people who are also trying to grow as well. That's right, that's yeah. right. So one of the things that I think sets you apart in business brokerage type world, especially with the niche that you've created, is your business ownership background, right? Because you've had so many different experiences, successful hurdles you've had to face, uh, struggles you've dealt with. Share with the listeners a little bit of, of what your, your background in business ownership is. Now, uh, I love saying this. I have bought and sold, owned and operated more small businesses than anybody you have met. I love saying it for two reasons. Number one, it's probably a true statement. Right. But I love watching people's faces when they want to start thinking, you know, my uncle owned a chain of gas stations. Yep. You know, did you, did you own 15? You know, and that sort of thing. So I like making the statement. But th the statement is to prove that I've kind of been there, done that. You know, I've got a, a, a marketing friend of mine. She says, Joe's the real deal for small business. Mm -hmm. I believe that. That's a tagline for me that I believe. And that's what separates me from the rest of the small business people. Yep. It's also what separates uh, me from everybody else because I clearly define I am the best in North Carolina as long as we're talking about, and I always have to say, small business from about five men in gross sales right, on down. That's important to me. It, well, the, the point to that is the fact that you found where you can be the best and you've spent years and years improving that. Yes. So many people will go after every single area in their industry and they try to do a little bit of everything and they're just another Joe out there, right? With You are the Joe That's right. in the small business uh, brokerage area. Not everybody can be Joe. Right, and so, right. so I'll tell you something, on, on my website, Julie and I try to make a list of all the businesses I have sold. Um, I think we got to 402. That's a lot. It is. Right? It is. Yeah, and, and I don't just mean sold. I mean own, operated, bought, and yeah. sold, right? Individually. I don't mean a firm. There's plenty of firms yep. that have done that number. I mean Joe Vagnone personally. So to your point, my experience in business and in industry is really wide. It is in-depth the experiences, and you really hit on that, which is I've had plenty of failures. You know? yeah. I, I'm not here to tell you I have succeeded 402 times. I'm here to tell you that I have 
knocked my head up against the wall until I found the door. Now that I found the door, I can help others and say, you don't want to do that. I really don't think you want to do that. Last time I did that, it didn't work so well. Let's try this over here. And so that's what that's. So when we talk about my business experiences, if you go to the website, you'll literally see a list of all the businesses I've personally owned and operated, bought and sold. Then you'll see a list of all the industries that I have bought and sold in. It is a substantial amount. I don't know. So anybody I, else that's done that? No, and, and I don't either. And there's a couple things about that I'm really curious about. The first is why go after so many? Quite often you'll hear of business owners where they do one business for a while, maybe after a, a, enough, they'll grow it, then sell it, move on to right. second or third. But you have bought, sold, moved on to so many different places, and they're not all connected, like to your point earlier. Right. They're different industries. They're completely different sides of the map. So why have that variety? I don't want to bore you with Joe's lifelong (laughs) story from the beginning, but I own the largest closed market environment restaurant concept in the Southeast. So I had a good start with a lot of small, I tell people, don't be impressed by the amount, right? It was well over 45 or 50 small sandwich shops inside office buildings, probably another 10 to 20 convenience stores inside office buildings. So these are closed market environments. Now, I had some really large cafeterias. I mean, 700, 1,200 people a day we would serve. Frito-Lay Packing Plant, Jordan Graphics, Schneider Trucking, I'm going to show my age, Nations (laughs) Bank Processing Center. That's back where they used to process checks, right? They don't do that anymore. (laughs) But that was a building that had about 5,000 people in it at the time. It was a gateway center in downtown Charlotte. So I had a lot of large restaurants, but many small. So I had a good start to that number of 400, right? Sure. I end up selling all of those businesses one by one, probably 70, 75% of them. I sold to the managers, taught them how to own and operate their businesses. In some cases, I had to teach them how to write a, write a check and open up a checking account. And so when it was over with, I had created this informal franchise, right? If the rent was $200 a month, I might charge them $250 because I'm going to help them and oversee it, you know. Yeah. Plus, I'd finance the sale. And so I did that. And when that was over, I realized it took me about three years to do that because uh, it was in multiple states, mm-hmm. Jacksonville and Tennessee uh, as well. And so uh, it took me about two and a half, three years to sell all those. And when it was over with, I realized I was pretty proficient at buying and selling businesses. Right. So I just started doing more of that. And I tell people I've owned a small capital investment firm for years way before there was this cool name for it, right? right. I thought I was just helping you get in business, yeah. take a piece on the way in and give you some advice, and then take a take a piece on the way out, you know. Right. Um, and so that's why there were so many of them. It wasn't that I was the only person operating these businesses. A lot of times I was helping you get in the finance business, right? I'll help you. I'll fund it. I may even find you a partner. I may even find you some some family members uh, of yours that are mm-hmm. interested in in partnering with you for a period of time, help you put together the operating agreement, and then I'll just take a piece of that that yeah. deal. And so I can do a lot of those deals in a lot of different industries because I'm not the one running it day to day. So that's that's a really great point because so many business owners will corner themselves and they become the keystone in the business, right? Everything flows through them. Yeah. They can't ever miss a day. They can't ever transition out because they are the glue for the business. And you structured this in a way to where you had people running the day-to-day operations and you were overseeing. So then when you were transitioning out, 
you had people to hand it off to. Yeah. You didn't have to offload all of your work for years and years. Let me tell you the secret of business. It's not cash. It's control. You don't need all the cash to be in control. You don't need to have all the ownership to be in control. I can create an operating agreement where you own 92% and I own 8%, but you have to put a budget together that I approve. And so right. <laughs> guess who's in control? That's right. Yep. <laughs> or at least or at least <laughs> I get some say yeah. with 8% ownership, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it's that type of control. I teach people that in real estate all the time. You know, I, I tell people one of the one of the the it's been a hobby of mine for years is real estate. It's just been something that I've enjoyed for years. And, and, and I learned land contracts and contract for deeds years ago, right? Well, that mortgage is in somebody else's name, right? You know what I mean? Yep. That, that, that property actually may not be mine, but I get to decide who's going to be the next owner and the spread between the buy and the sell. <laughs> and the same thing with the business as well. So control is really what you're after, and that's the operating agreement that you really want to take in consideration, which is why I was able to own and operate so many different businesses mm -hmm. because I had the skill of somebody else that really knows the industry. Yeah, yeah, that's a great lesson. So real quick before we go to break, can you share with us one one lesson that you learned transitioning out of this that you were able to now apply to your business uh, brokerage uh, business? Trust is important. Character matters because you're going to be dealing with a lot of people. And if you can't believe in them, you should not be doing business with them. Love it. Great way to go into break. Let's take a break. When we come back, you are listening to Local Biz Now. If it is Local Biz Now, your business matters. We'll be right back. This is WSIC, number one talk business show in North Carolina. Local Biz Now, where your business matters. We hope we are inspiring, informing, and entertaining, because that's what we do at News Talk WSIC. I'm here with Ben McDonald, and Ben is interviewing me for the entire show. Ben, keep going, my friend, unless yeah. you're bored and want to put a stop to yep, this. Yep, see you, Joe. We're out of here. <laughs> no, uh, we were talking on the break about how I could spend two hours asking you questions about owning all these different businesses and lessons, but I want to move forward a little bit into the, what you're doing now and get a little bit more tactical so these listeners can take some things away. When you start thinking about selling a business, the, most people don't even know where to start. And so I want you to talk a little bit about how people should think about planning their business exit. Yeah, that's a great question. And everybody hears the word exit, right? And, and only skilled people like you know that what that means. Most people that are listening to this don't understand what exit means. Let me be clear. Sooner or later, because... <laughs> Because of God or or whomever <laughs> you believe created you, right? Okay, um, somebody else is going to be running your business now. Whether you like it or not, that's the reality. And so you should plan whether it's a son, a daughter, a wife, a family member, or are you going to sell it to somebody else? Um, that planning we would call an exit strategy. How are you going to exit? Um, it's kind of like a will in that who gets what and where does it go. In our case, it's sort of a reverse will because how much can I get, right? right? And what can I do with it? And how much does Uncle Sam get? And so these are conversations, which is why we call them exit strategies, because there may be 10 different ways to answer that question. And then we want to decide which way to go. I'm here as a business broker because the one thing I can do for you is say, okay, if you like strategy number three, 
here's what we need to do to get there, and I can help you do that because it may mean find a buyer. It may mean negotiate with your mother-in-law or your sister or something like that. And so that's what I mean by exit strategy. And if you're not planning that, I think you're going to find yourself disappointed in yep. the back end of that. Yeah, the, the side of it that we see the most of is what you said of how much does Uncle Sam keep. If you're not planning that ahead of time, there is a significant amount that you could be giving up just based off of the structure of the deal. So if you're not planning appropriately and going to somebody like you to be able to guide them all the way through it, it doesn't matter how much you sell the business for. It's how much you can keep. Yeah, and I don't want people to hear this exit strategy to sound painful. It's not painful. We do most of the planning and, and concepts, and then we'll say, which one do you like? Right. Which so you, ones? And sometimes it, we may try, we may go after three different options all at the same time to determine and discern which one fits best for you in this process. Yeah. You which bring, is why time is important. And you want to make sure that you're giving yourself time so you can explore all these options. Yeah. Sorry, I was stepping on your toes a little no, bit. No, that's there. Right. I'm, um, I'm quite, I'm quite <laughs> used to it. But you bring up a really good point. And so, Somebody's coming to you and they say, hey, I think I want to sell my business. I don't know where to start. What are some of the factors that you're taking them through, making them think about to really let them get an idea of where they are and where they need to go? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, let, let me put it to you another way. What normally happens is somebody will come to me and say, I think I want to sell to my son. I think I want to sell to my, mm -hmm. my son-in-law, the business, and he's been working for me for, for five years. Right. So they got this plan, right? They got this mental thought in mind of what they had planned on. And then I'll go and have a conversation with that person. And quickly I realize they're not interested. Matter of fact, it used to be about 60% of the spouses or the, or the, the, uh, the child in the family wanted to run that business. Mm -hmm. Now it's less than 10%. Family wow. members don't want the business. Now, mommy and daddy put you all the way through school, you know right. I mean? bought you the jet ski, living in the beautiful home, right? But they don't want that life. They want something different. Not necessarily better, but different. They don't want to do that, whatever that is. They lived it their whole lives. And so for me, I have to be the one to tell the owner, that's not going to be an option. They're not interested. Or I got to be the one to say, not qualified. I, they, they will fail. You will be setting them up to fail if you just hand them this business. It will not succeed. Or surprise, surprise, they don't have the money that you need to retire to buy your business. So that's most of the kind of things yeah. that happen. So those are the first initial conversations that we dig into. Once we get there, then I think is the question you actually wanted to ask me, which right. is what are the sort of specific details? Yep. Um, so let's talk about that. So there's things like financing, the financial detail of the business are really important. I, I'm surprised how many people, small business people, don't know what their P&Ls look like or don't know the story that the P&Ls telling. Same thing with the balance sheet. Most small business people don't even know how to read a balance sheet let alone that there's a story that it's telling them. So that's the first thing that I have them do. Um, site visit is very important. Um, I, I go over and over again that, listen, it's just like a home. 
and that it's got to be neat and clean. You can't have this stuff piled up. I, I was talking with a client, a auto repair guy, been in business 44 years. Don't you think he knows how to repair a car? Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, believe me, he does. Matter of fact, he can tell you how long it will take to repair the car, right? But when you walked into his office and you walked into the show, he because he, he's a pack rat, he couldn't throw anything away. I might need that part. You know, because he's so smart yeah. in his industry, that part I might need two years from now, and it would save a client $100, right? Yeah. He can't throw it out. The problem is it starts building up after 40 years. The buyer looks at that, and it, to them it's nothing but scary. So i got to be the guy that says, listen, we got to clean this place up. It, it really matters a lot. So those are probably the first two things I would tell you, the finances and the actual makeup of a business. And I don't mean just retail. I mean, it, let me tell you something. It could just as easily be a sales and marketing business, uh, um, an uh, online business. Believe me, your computer and your files – absolutely need to be neat and clean and the processes need to be in place for them. There's, there's a lot of therapy that comes into, into your job as well. It's so, no, you, you're, you're absolutely correct. It, it is the most emotional thing you will ever do in your life is sell something that took you a lifetime building. Right. It, it, people say it's my baby. It really is. I mean, it, it is very hard to sell. It reminds me, I sold literally uh, over 100 restaurants in a two-and-a-half, three-year period. Um, and the last one I sold at the time was in the Novant Same Day um, Health Center at the bottom floor of the uh, Same Day Surgery Building. And, uh, I mean, that baby was just humming along, right? <laughs> I hadn't been in that restaurant and I don't did about 12 years. I hadn't been in it in about four and a half to five years. I would drive through down below, hand the checks off. They'd hand me the, the deposit slips. I'd never actually go into the restaurant for years. And so selling that, when it was making me fifty to $60,000 a year, it was hard to do, <laughs> right? Matter of fact, my wife still thinks I shouldn't have sold that business. But, but uh, that, that probably took me a year and a half to make this. Had the buyer. The buyer was ready, right? Um, and it just took me about two years till I finally said, okay, I think I'll sell it. Yeah. That's how I'm, and I'm a guy that's, I'm a, my wife calls me a deal junkie, right? I mean, I, yeah, you know, you I don't, I don't think she meant it as a compliment, but I, I took it as you one. Um, so, so even for a guy like me to sell something that's hard, I know for somebody that doesn't do it often, it's very emotional. Yeah. I want to keep taking the listeners and you through the selling process. And if, if your your stat there of ninety percent are not going to of the uh, family is not going to want to take it over, let's let's make sure this angle of the conversation is selling external to family. It could be somebody inside the business, like a manager, similar to what you did, or somebody external completely. You may want to uh, sell a business. You may come to Joe and and Joe can guide you and say, okay, here's the things you need to do. But you then just can't wish for a sale to happen. Right. So talk about the marketing and branding side of it. How do you get the business to look nice and shiny from the outside right. so people actually want to buy your business? Well, I kind of gave you a little insight to that. I, I gave you a little secret, right, which, which is the story. There's a story to tell. And you got to be able to tell that story to a buyer that is not only believable but can be validated, and it starts with the financial statements. It has to be very confidential. Here's what's important about this whole process. 
Nowadays, the buyers want the confidentiality to be in trust as much as the sellers because the buyers don't want to create the, the day of a big sign that says new management, they're over, right? You're buying businesses because they're already succeeding or have some value. So you don't really necessarily need to tell anybody, you know, I'm the new owner, what we do, right? Um, plus, th th it is important that the employees and staff are comfortable and you want to know and plan when to have that conversation with them, right? The, the other thing is, and we come back from, from break, let's talk about valuation because the, the valuation of the business is the foundation of the story and it answers your question, which is how and who I market to. This is probably that those two things, valuation and how and who I market to, are probably the secret sauce to Joe Vagnone and why I am the top broker in North Carolina. Perfect. Well, you're you're leading right into uh, what I want to talk about. So this is this is great, Joe. Let's take a break. When we come back, you're talking to Joe Vagnone. I am here for you, local biz now. Where? Say it, Ben. Say it. Your business matters. Yeah. We'll be right back. Right into this thing, Ben. Uh, keep going, buddy. Ben McDonald is interviewing me. I am Joe Vagnone. I am a local small business broker. Been doing it well over 20, gosh, I'm embarrassed to say, 27 years. Uh, and Ben is asking questions of of my uh, history. Ben, please keep going. Yeah. So prior to the break, we were talking about valuation and how that goes into how you can market a business. So so take it from there, please, Joe. So so this is probably my my secret sauce as a small business broker, please hear the word small business broker. I know I love the puffery of Joe's the man, Joe's the best, and I am. Five million or less, right? So so, so let, let's make sure we're clear on the fact that I am talking about five million or less. I have created, through the help of my wife, my wife is a phenomenal 35-year uh, real estate controller, um, I can talk and she can make an Excel spreadsheet, just do anything I wanted to do. And she has created a couple of spectacular worksheets and programs that I use. And for the last uh, 12, 14 years, I've been within 5% of the sale price of the businesses that I've sold. And so for that reason, um, I really feel good about the valuations that we do. And the valuations create what we call a buyer profile. Fancy word for buyer motivation. Now, here's where it rolls right into the marketing. Once I discern the values, it's not a specific value for the business. I'm not going to tell you how much sell your business for. I'm not going to tell you uh, what to list it for. I'm only going to tell you what buyers think it's worth. That is the core to this. And so, it becomes different buyer profiles are willing to pay different multiples or different values for your business. Those buyer profiles, for whatever the reason, they're owner operators or whatever that might be, that leads into who and how I'm going to market to them. Most small business uh, uh, brokers aren't sophisticated or experienced enough to be able to make that move. 
They don't know how to create the, what the buyer profiles are or the buyer motivation, and then they don't know how to go after them. So I can do that very specifically because I have a database of well over 16,000 small business owners um, and uh, people inquiring on small businesses over the years. And these aren't, these aren't um, large corporations. These are individuals like us looking for businesses. And so that process for me, we can do a search on what they've acquired on, how much money they have, and it naturally rolls into I'm going after the buyer profile of those buyers that have the maximum value for the business. Yep. So I love to say I can maximize the value of your business because one of the things I do specifically is focused on the buyer profile so that I can try and maximize the value. And so they go hand in hand. The valuation and the marketing um, are really two things that go hand in hand on that. And, and it is probably the core of what I do that makes me unique because you got to have the database, you got to have the information, you got to be able to do the search, and you got to be able to do the valuation, right? So these are these are things that are important. And when it's over with, you have what should be a roadmap on exactly who we're going after, why we're going after them, and the motivation that they have to be the buyer, which helps me with the negotiation. So it's one thing for you to create this valuation and say, hey, this is a buyer profile. This is about what people would pay for this. But we all know business owners, right? And their baby is going to be worth more than what you tell them. So talk to us a little bit. First, explain what is, what is a comparative market analysis? And then how do you use that with the potential yeah, seller to great, help support that? Great question. So here, here's the truth. I am not going to tell you what your business is worth. I am not going to tell you what you... Uh, have to sell your business for. That's for you to decide. I will fight. And Lord knows, I think I've already told you I'm a deal junkie. I got no problem pricing this thing, uh, whatever number you want to price it at. My job is not to tell you what to sell your business for. It's not a piece of real estate where there's tons of comps. Every small business is different. What's different here is I'm going to tell you, here are the different buyer profiles. Each industry is different. It might be up to three to five different buyer profiles. So here are the different buyer profiles, and here's what each one of them believe your business is worth. So I'm not going to tell you what to sell your business for. I don't even care if you agree with me. What I'm asking you to accept is this is what the buyers believe your business is worth. So if we start from that expectation then we're able to figure out how to come up with a value. And sometimes it's about the deal structure that will get us the other way through. I have sold four or five, we call them franchise resales, in the last five years, every one of them with the highest multiple in the franchisor's history because of the tactics that we use and what I'm describing here today. Joe, I want to bounce around a little bit because one thing that I think is very useful, especially in your world, is helping with the negotiation, the deal structuring. So how will you hel how will you handle negotiations with potential buyers? What do you do for these sellers? Well, one thing I've learned is it is much easier to have somebody negotiating for you. So let's start from that so, point. Well, tell us why first. 
It's so emotional and nobody tends to want to believe what the seller is saying, right? You, it, it, you could be the most, you could be the preacher, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who wants to sell his pews and <laughs> they're just not going to believe that they're walnut. You know, <laughs> they're going to want them tested. In our world, we call that, it, it has to be validated, right? And so when I, as a broker, who have a responsibility and obligation to make sure that nobody is misleading on the buyer side or the seller side, I start from a better vantage point than you as an owner do. Now, listen, I know us owners, you know, I think I've said years ago, uh, there was a, I told the story before there are, I had a, a attorney friend of mine, a very skilled attorney that used to joke that uh, if his small business people had a large enough mirror they do their own brain surgery. And so uh, it, it's funny, but but I relate to that, right? If I can do it myself, I'm going to do it, right? Same thing when it comes to negotiation. I told you about all of the businesses that I have personally negotiated and sold for myself. There were three that I got brokers involved because they brought me a buyer. All three of those were the best valuations I received when it was over with. And I got to tell you something. That's kind of embarrassing to say that a broker needs a broker. But it's to my point. It's not just because Joe is exceptional. It's not just because Joe's a good negotiator and has got been trained by Harvard professors, right. right? It's not just because Joe is skilled and has done this many more times than you. It's because the emotion involved on both ends, not just the seller side, but also on the buyer side, really is better off having somebody be able to monitor, um, mediate, if you will, that process. And at the same time, I'm pushing the mark the best that I can for the seller. Yeah. One of the major factors when you are selling a business is often the team, right? The people that are still going to be there in the, in the business. Can you talk to us about retaining key employees and, and how is that critical to being able to sell a business? Yeah, I'll tell you something. Service-related businesses are hot right now. And if you've got a service-related business, you better have a non-solicitation agreement attached to every employee that you've hired and are planning on hire. Not a non-compete. It's really hard in North Carolina to, to, to make those work. But a non-solicitation means... You cannot go after anybody that's in my database or I've introduced you to or you have worked with or I have worked with in the past. So if they intend on harming you or we intend on selling the business, then the buyer knows at least what's protected is everybody, everything in your database that you have ever worked with compared to you both can go out and fight for a new client. That's a fight I'm willing to have. I'm not willing to continue to have to fight for a client that I have already paid for and my employee gets to take with them when they leave. And so those non-solicitation agreements, we work with attorneys all, all the time. I'm surprised how many people aren't aware of this. It's sort of like Joe is presenting them with an idea that they'd never heard of before. And it is so key that it really is something that should be the foundation of, of hiring modern day um, employment. So I know we're getting towards the end here and I'd be remiss if I didn't 
at least throw a Joeism in here for you to be able to, <laughs> to explain this. So, so one thing that I, I've heard you say is your business may be worth more if you stop working so hard. Yeah. Can you share with everybody what oh you mean by gosh. that? Oh my gosh. And there's people watching this right now that want to throw something at the, at the camera right now. I, I know that. But here's the reality. You cannot run and operate a business on your own without having staff and some future management in place and expect to get real maximum value for the business. It requires you to make sure that the next person can run your business. If you're not doing that, if you're not preparing your business for that, I don't think it's possible to maximize your value because the buyer can't do what you can do. Listen, I just sold a, a construction business. The guy been running it for 47 years. Who do I have that can run a construction business that's been running for 47 years as well as him, right? So you have to assume that a buyer is going to be intimidated and calculate the risk. And for that reason, I tell you, stop working so hard, start working smarter on your business. That is such a perfect way to wrap this up. Joe, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and all those nuggets there for the, the second half, especially that, that people are able to take away and, and hopefully apply to, to their business as well. Ben McDonough, founder of Destination Wealth Advisors. Thank you for your questions, buddy. This is Local Biz Now, where your business matters. We'll see you next week. <laughs>